Good morning, everyone. I feel like we just do live announcements because we never mess up <laughs> on live announcements. <laughs> hey, welcome to church today. Uh, I just want to add my thoughts regarding baptism. Uh, it's, it is, it's us declaring our faith in Jesus Christ. And so if we have never gone public with our faith, we'd love to partner with you uh, with that. I just want to make mention of one thing. You know, sometimes uh, people have come from different denominations and different groups and you maybe got baptized as a child. Thank God for your parents' faith and what they did. But really, that was your parents' faith. You getting baptized as an adult is you saying, I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. So when you get baptized as an adult, um, it's not undoing something that your parents did when you were young. Thank God again for that. But you declaring your faith publicly is only something you can do with a conscious mind and you can say, yes, I follow Jesus. So if you are a follower of Jesus and you've never been water baptized, we'd love to baptize you at our worship and prayer night coming up on November 19th. It's gonna be a great time. You can sign up for that in the lobby. All right, I just wanna um, make mention, you know, we're talking, gonna be talking about generosity today. So it's a little bit perfect timing. Um, our Serve City group yesterday went to Eden Food for Change. I don't know if you saw on our Instagram story, but they prepared over a thousand meals yesterday. So good for us to be able to go to their kitchen there. We have to bring a donation uh, to be able to provide some resources there for Eden Food for Change. We give on a monthly basis uh, to them to be able to provide uh, food for our postal code right here, people that are facing food insecurity. But they went there and I just saw a lot of stories posted. They just had a great time um, just preparing all of those uh, meals together. Maybe you do mess up live as well, not just on video, preparing all of those meals together. Uh, But thank God. God for the generosity of our church. All right, we are in week seven of our series. We're actually coming to the end of our series um, talking about faith. But the series is called Full of Faith. And we are exploring and looking at and trying to understand what faith looks like. The scripture tells us that we should walk by faith, live by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so since we know all of these things and we see stories, Old and New Testament, celebrating faith, this is why we are spending time this fall in this series. So we're trying to understand what attitudes characterize faith. How are you operating when you are living by faith? And we don't want to be nominal or not really care about living by faith or just doing it on a Sunday, but actually truly giving all of our lives um, to trusting God. And once we do that, we are going to see the power of God at work in our lives. We're going to see the promises of God come to pass in our lives. And then we want God to be involved in every decision, every direction that we are taking in our lives because we are living by faith. The word faith means firm persuasion, a conviction based on what you have heard. And then ultimately, it just means trust, that I am trusting God for my today, for my eternity, for all of the things going on in my life. I am fully relying on God. Acts chapter 6, verse 8 says this, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So here we have Stephen making a declaration, and then we see the power of God active in his life. And then he's able to speak with wisdom, that access to the knowledge of God, the mind and heart of God. And so both of these things 
will be manifest in our lives as Stephen was full of faith, power of God active in his life. And this should be our expectation. But then he was able to speak according to the wisdom of God and nobody had an argument and nobody has an argument against the wisdom of God. And so we want both of these things to be active in our life as we are full of faith. So, so far in this series, we looked at God is faithful. That The reason faith is powerful is because God is a trustworthy God, that he is all powerful, all knowing everywhere, all at once. And the reason faith is powerful is God is powerful. So we talked about that in week one, and then we talked about faith that transforms, the spirit of faith, faith obeys, examine your faith. And then last week, we talked about the idea that faith loves. And so all of those messages are available on our YouTube page and then also through our podcast. And on the heels of talking about love, we're going to be talking about generosity today, that faith is generous or faith gives. And so the very first story that we see in Hebrews chapter 11, of which we've been in out of all um, series long, talks about Abel who gave an offering. Now, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. One of the greatest expressions of love is giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So love is going to show up in our lives. As we talked about, we have faith, and so we're going to love. And then, so what does it look like for us to follow that through? Well, it's going to look like we're going to be generous people. Uh, just remembering some of the generosity of our church over the last couple of years, we've been able to invest in some other churches. Specific, we do a lot of other things, but we've been able to invest in churches that are in building programs and starting new locations. Um, in Waterloo, multiple churches in Toronto, a church in Winnipeg, a church in Surrey, British Columbia. And so we, because we are a generous church, you know you go to a generous church. Are you excited about that today? And the reason that we are a part, that we can be a generous church is there are generous people who attend our church. There's some uh, people in our church that have been faithfully tithing and giving since the 80s. I mean, our church started in 1986, and so we still have a few people around from that original crowd who are just continuing to tithe and give. Now, uh, Nicole and I didn't get here until 1994. Well, I mean, I came with my parents in 89, but we didn't start on staff until 94, celebrating 29 years. Actually, this month being here, um, we started out as youth pastors. and, And I can say with integrity that Nicole and I have tithed and given offerings every week here at the City Church since we started. And so as we talk about generous, generosity, I'm not saying that to bring any commendation to myself. I'm just letting you know that I'm speaking from some sort of moral, moral authority, talking about generosity. And Nicole and I are so thankful uh, over that almost 30 years that we've seen children being introduced to Jesus. We've seen students being introduced to a relationship with God, adults, people getting baptized, marriages restored, people getting healed, people getting the wisdom of God, people moving closer to Jesus, having a relationship with God, and all of the investment that my family and other families are are making and have made over the decades 
It's just amazing to see what happens with generosity. And I just mentioned a few churches and organizations that we've been a part of over the last couple of years, but for decades, this is something that we have been doing as a church, that we just want to be generous. Now, why do we want to be generous? Is it just an idea that we came up with, or is it the character and nature of God. And I would say that it is the character and nature of God. We didn't just come up with the idea of generosity because you and I, left to our own devices, we're really gonna be selfish, right? Let's be honest. We're gonna be like that toddler that doesn't want to share its toys unless we're trained to be generous, that there's something outside of me just getting what I want and having something now and not sharing with somebody else that someone is teaching me to be generous generous because the normal activity of my flesh is sort of covetous and, and, and jealous and envious and just wanting things for myself. And when we are generous, we know that it's never wasted time or it's never wasted effort or resources. I, I bet if we were to talk to everybody yesterday on, on the, the team that went to Eden Food for Change, because our staff team does this every year as well. At the end of that, you're just so satisfied. You're just so glad that you spent a little bit of your time, you sacrificed a little bit of your time where you could have been doing something else so that somebody else who's not able to afford a meal right now is gonna eat because of some effort that I put in. It's never wasted time when we are generous. So let's look here at the story, the very first story that we see in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 about Abel who gave this famous offering. We're just just gonna read starting from the first part of the chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, it says this. Now faces the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation that God gave people of the Old Testament, he commended them because of their faith. And the same is true today, that God commends faith. Now, again, why is this true? Is when we rely on God instead of just relying on ourselves, that this is the relationship that God wants to have with us. He commends us when we say, I don't just trust myself. God, I need you. God, I need your help. I I need your resources. I need your promises. I need your power. I need your wisdom. That we're not just trusting ourselves. So God commends us when we live by faith. Verse three, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. And this is the creation story that God created all that is by his word. Verse four, So here's the very first story that we see in this great hall of faith, all of these men and women in the Old Testament that they live by faith, the very first two sons. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Now, sacrifice, when we're giving a sacrifice, what does this mean? When we are giving our our tithes and our offerings, as I mentioned, as we talk about every week, the sacrifice is we could use those resources for something else. But instead, we're offering them to God. I'm gonna honor God with my giving, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. We have two brothers. They both offered an offering to God, and one was more acceptable, through which he was commended as righteous, talking about Abel, that this gift that he gave, this thing that he offered to God, it was a righteous act. God commending him by accepting 
his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, by trusting in God, he gave this offering. Now, just that, that first thought, what does that mean that Abel gave something by faith, that he had something of his own possession? And when you give an offering, what are we saying? Ultimately, we're saying, God, I'm trusting you as my ultimate provider, not just what I can do. Here, I have this thing in my life, something that's mine, something that I, I own, and we'll talk about that here in a second, that I'm gonna give this to you. Instead of keeping it for myself, I'm gonna give this to you. Why? Because I'm gonna trust you to be my provider. So here we have Hebrews 11 describing to us what Abel did. Now we're gonna go back to Genesis 4 and see the original story about this, these two sons, Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, verse one. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. So they had two different tasks here in the family. One was keeping the sheep and the other one was planting crops. Verse three, and in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And what's the rest of the story? Do you remember the story? What happened? Are you here? Anybody go to Sunday school growing up? (laughs) What happened? Cain killed Abel. So he didn't deal with the sin that was crouching at the door, right? He didn't overcome this envy, this envy that his gift, his offering wasn't accepted and Abel's was. Now, was this just something arbitrary? What is it that we're supposed to see in this story? Is all God just had favor and Abel and he just, you know, he was cuter. So he liked him more, didn't really like Cain. And just because he was looking after the sheep You know, sheep, lamb of God. So Abel automatically had an advantage over Cain. But Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's wasn't. So what's the differentiation here between these two offerings that were given? Let's go back and read it. Now, if we think about this, what were Adam and Eve teaching their sons to do? They were teaching their sons to give something to God. Right, so this is a family thing. This is what parents should do uh, with your children. I know this is something that Nicole and I did with the girls, you know, before they were gainfully employed and uh, we took care of them. And, you know, at Christmas time, grandma and grandpa, they're always giving them cash, right? And so they would open up this, this card that my parents, you know, got tired of buying them toys, just wanted to give them cash. It's so much easier than going to the store. And then when they would get this money, that, that probably brought $100, we would say to the girls, now how much of that 100 is a tithe? And their face would fall. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, we, we gotta teach our kids 
how to give offerings. Otherwise, how are they going to know? And this is something that Adam and Eve evidently had taught their sons that we're going to offer something to God. So what's the differentiation between these two offerings? Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. So two descriptors that we have about Abel, the firstborn. The firstborn was special. And then the second part was the fat portions. Now, it doesn't mean this was a chubby animal. It means in this time it was the best one. And then Cain just brought an offering. Abel was intentional thinking, you know what? I'm actually going to give the first part, the firstborn, the best one to God. Now, without having any more description about Cain's offering, he just, some sort of crops, well, he just grabbed some and gave it to, gave it to God. He wasn't necessarily saying, are these the best crops? Is this the first part of the crop? And these things are important. There was some intentionality about Abel's offering, that Cain's was a little bit more haphazard. There was no, you know, we, we actually want to give God the best. And really, this is the, the idea of a tithe. We know it means 10%. But the idea of a tithe is this idea, the first part. I'm going to give the first part to God. I'm not going to give God what's left over. I'm going to give by intentionality. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to worship God. And this is the thing that was different between Abel's offering and Cain's offering, the firstborn, the best part. And then Cain's offering, he had no regard. And how did Abel give this offering? He gave it by faith, by trusting in God. This attitude of the heart. This is what God is trying to get at as it relates to us and our giving. Do you know that God doesn't need our money, right? I mean, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What is God wanting? God is wanting our hearts. And this is true forever and for all time as it relates to us and God. God is wanting to remove, not just with our resources now, that God is wanting to be first place in our lives. He wants us from our heart to love him and say, God, you are first. And then here in this story, it's showing up as it relates to our resources, the things that we have. So when we become generous, we take on the character and nature of God. God has provided everything that we have. Do you know that today? That everything that you have in your life right now, God gave it to you. You're like, mm-mm, Pastor Brent. <laughs> Nine to five, my friend. or more than that, I'm working the night shift and I have all of this. And so my question to you, if that is your thought, is where did the ability to work come from? The body that you have, who gave it to you? What is the answer? The Lord. Oh, I see. I didn't self-manifest. The breath of my lungs, I didn't create. So, oh, yeah, God has provided for me. God has given to me. So when we start to become generous, we take on the character and nature of God because you can't love without giving. 
So what happens to us? What are some things that, that happen to us when we take on this nature and character of being generous? I, I'm trusting now that beyond just my ability to provide for myself, I'm actually trusting God to be my provider. God, I'm giving you this, recognizing that your ability to provide for me is better than just my own. That I am trusting you to provide for me and for my family. One of the other things that happens to us when we give, it frees us from greed and covetousness. In other words, everything is all about me. It's like we, we could just have that greedy heart, but when we choose to make generosity a part of our lives, it frees us from that. And then we see the benefits of our generosity. We see the results of our generosity, whether it's our resources or our time or our effort. It's like the team that went yesterday. They saw the results of their generosity. When we start to give and we get teaching from the scripture, we realize that we are stewards and not owners. What does it mean to be a steward? A steward is a manager, that we're managing a set of resources for the time being, right? I, I remember when we, we, um, we sold our old property before we moved into here and it had a, a historical record of the property and all of these people that owned that property down through the years. And the further you went back, you know, these, these maps, they, how they were drawn, it was very interesting. But then there was just different names on the maps all the way down through history, the people that owned that piece of land. So that land, even though their name was on it, it's not really their land, is it? I mean, they're not here anymore. So they don't own it anymore. And so we, we have this idea that we're actually managing some resources while we're here. We're stewards of God's blessings. All that we have has actually come from God. And we're stewarding it for a while. While we're here, while we're living. And this is why you've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul attached to it, right? Because what good are the resources when you're six feet under? They're no good, right, anymore? It's not like, hey, we're going to bury your favorite television set with you. It's like, no, you're going to give your, or you should, friends, bequeath your television to your children or your friends. You can't take it with you. We already know this. So we're managing a set of resources for a while, and then God has something to say to us about the attitude that we would have towards these resources as we manage them throughout the course of our lives. He's trying to get at our heart. Giving starts with our heart. It doesn't start with our money. The, in the Old Testament, they were preparing in the book of Exodus for the tabernacle, Moses made this statement. He said, everybody with a willing heart should give. And really, this is where it comes down. Your giving comes down between you and God. This actually has nothing to do with me, even though I'm teaching you from the word of God today. See, listen, and here at the city church, I don't know what you give, all right? I don't look at giving records, and I do this for multiple reasons. I'm not trying to treat people better or worse based on their giving. And I don't know if people are tithing or not. And even if I looked at your giving records, I wouldn't know if you're tithing. Why? Because I don't know how much you make. I don't want to know how much you make. All right. Your giving is between you and God. It's between you and God and your heart. And if God has our heart, it's easy to give. This is what he's after. He's after a willing heart. We're not trying to rend resources out of people. 
We want people who are willing to give to give. This is what Moses said to the people. All of you with a willing heart should give. And when we give with this heart, it truly is worship. It's honor. And these are all words that are tied to our giving throughout the scripture. We're going to read a couple later. But that would honor God. What does honor mean? Honor means that we're giving special preference to somebody. I'm going to honor this person. And how true should that be in our lives that we're honoring God? Going back to the point of of the work that I do based on the gifts that God has given to me, it just kind of makes sense for me to take the first part of that and just say, God, I realize that I am not a self-made individual. So I just give back to you today. I worship you with my giving. See, this is a heart thing. This is not somebody demanding that you give. It's you recognizing. It's like, oh, God, you are my Lord and Savior. You are my creator. It's joy for me to give. It's a joy for me to be generous because I am like you. When we give, we provide the resources necessary for ministry. And this has been true from the tabernacle to the temple to the church all the way through scriptures. When we give, there's resources in the house of God to do ministry. And the same is true today. And the other thing as we look at it, we're going to see some scriptures And sometimes people are nervous about this. Do you know that God, the Father God, wants to bless you? Are you here today? I know some people are nervous about this notion, the body of Christ, and they shouldn't. And I heard, I saw a reel recently, and one pastor got up, and he's like, you know, there's just no scriptures uh, in the Bible, in the whole of the Bible, where God actually wants to bless you. I'm like, bro, what? I mean, I love you with the love of the Lord, but you're just wrong. That the Father God actually wants to bless you. The scripture says, if you being evil or carnal know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the Father in heaven know how to give good gifts to his children? God is the giver of gifts. He is the blesser. And what goes great with blessing is generosity. So you never have to be worried about being overtaken by the blessings of God when we combine it with generosity. Well, well, how much is too much, Pastor Brent? Well, just keep giving. Keep, don't be covetous, be generous. And this is the type of heart that God can truly bless. He's looking for somebody that he can trust. Amen. To be a blessing. What did God say to Abraham? I'm going to bless you to make you a blessing. This God is the same today, that God actually wants you to be blessed. He wants to pour out into your life in every way possible. But then what do we do with the blessings of God? We continue to be generous because God is showing us his generosity, so we continue to be generous. Can I get an amen? It's a blessing to be generous. You bless God. We give to God. The scripture talks about in the book of Philippians that when we give, our offerings actually come up before God. A sweet smelling savor, the the scripture says. That it's not just something we're doing down here on the earth, but it's actually coming up before God as worship. It's an honor to be generous. And again, where the scripture talks about blessing, it also talks about giving. So we're blessed to be a blessing. And the, and the answer is for us, as it relates to generosity, is 
We can start right now today. Some people think, well, you know, I just, I don't know where to, I don't know when to start. You know, one day, Pastor Brent, when I win the lottery, I'll tithe, I promise. Nah, that'll be a big number. (laughs) And if you're not used to giving a smaller number, you're not going to give that big number. We actually won't see you again. After you win the lottery, <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll be online, online only for me. <laughs> we need to start right now. That's why, that's why we trained our kids when, when they had no money except the money that was given to them. It's like you start right now. So you're training your children. Then when they get a job, the first part goes to God. We're honoring him. Luke chapter six, sorry, 16 says this, verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest in much. If you then have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, just talking about money, goods, and all of these different things, who will entrust you with true riches? See, this is why the, the true riches is just something from the heart of God. It's the power of God. It's, it's encouragement that we can give. It, it's being able to pray for somebody. See, the... the the wealth and riches that we have in our lives right now, and all of you have a measure of that. It's a terrible thing to worship. It's a terrible thing to worship our resources, but it's a wonderful tool to bless. Are you here this morning? If you have not been faithful in which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Listen, verse 13, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So how do we not serve money? Well, we learn to be generous. We give, we honor God, we worship God. We become a generous person. We're we're looking to bless other people, to do things for other people. Not to just think about ourselves, because we, we can't and we shouldn't. Money is a terrible master. It's a tremendous tool of blessing, though. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, Paul is preparing uh, the church at Corinth for an offering that they're going to give to the Christians in Jerusalem. And then this whole section of scripture in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is all about generosity. You can read it generosity and giving and blessing. And so Paul is using the church at Macedonia, who was a very generous church, to inspire the church at Corinth. Um, And he's giving them a teaching about generosity here in these couple chapters. So he just mentioned about this church. He's like, man, they gave, and they gave way beyond their means. And he's telling the church at Corinth this. He's not trying to make them feel guilty. He's trying to inspire them about their generosity. Look what this other church did. So let's read it here in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 5. It says this. So I thought it necessary to urge you, the brothers, to go on ahead and arrange in advance for this gift you have promised, so that it may be a ready as a willing gift, not an exaction. So what type of giving is Paul interested in? A willing gift, a willing heart. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, this in an agrarian society and people were always planting seeds. And what he's saying is when you go into your farm and you plant a few seeds, how much harvest do you get? 
we get a little bit of a harvest. But if you go out there and you plant a ton of seeds, how much harvest do you get? You get a bigger harvest. And he's comparing that to resources that we would give. Now listen, he's dealing with their heart again as all giving starts. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. So giving starts in our heart with a generous mind, a worship towards God, an honoring towards God, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver dealing with the attitude of our heart. And we can adjust the attitude of our heart. Giving with joy, giving with gladness, giving with honor, giving with worship, not feeling like somebody's trying to get my money. And see, this is always the the complaint about church, right? The church is just trying to get your money. It's like, we have no access to your bank accounts. You know who's after your money? Walmart, friends. (laughs) Disney. Have you ever been to Disney? They are after your money. That's why they exist. This is what we're doing here is a whole other thing. Tithing and giving is not like taxes, all right? The government is taking your money. Otherwise, they're taking you to jail. (laughs) Here, what we're doing is willing. The willing heart, we're going to worship God. We're going to honor God. We're going to do good things together as a church, as a family. We're going to give willing is a whole other thing. God loves a cheerful giver. Now listen, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So when we give, what happens to us? We get into God's form of economy and what does God do? His grace is abounding towards you so that you'll have all sufficiency and all time so that you continue to do good things. Blessed to be a blessing. And then we're a blessing. God blesses you again. And then what do you do with that blessing? You continue to bless and give to God and honor him. This is what God does. It is his generous ways. We just operate in his ways. We do all of these things by faith. Verse nine, as it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. So our lives are about generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also is overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. God's blessings abounding toward us. Is anybody excited about that notion? So we shouldn't be nervous about it. We shouldn't be nervous about the blessings of God. Why? Because we're talking about it in the context of generosity. Not just getting for getting's sake so that I can make somebody envious because of what I have. No, the blessings of God come our way for a purpose because we can't take any of it with us, right? A couple more verses. Proverbs 3, verse nine says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And you're like, okay, Pastor Brent, I opt out. I'm not wealthy, sorry. 
If you have a part-time job in Canada, you're one of the top 10% wage earners in the world. Sorry, you are wealthy. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all you produce. What is it? The, the first part, I'm honoring God, not the leftovers, not the, the cane style, but I'm just give something to God. Man, we're gonna honor him. The first fruits of all you produce and your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. To my brother who I saw online, read that verse. God wants you to be bursting with blessings. God's not nervous about you being blessed. You shouldn't be nervous about being blessed. You should be nervous about not being generous. Because then the stuff that we have has our heart. Stuff shouldn't have our heart. We shouldn't worship stuff and money and the resources I have. Finally this, Paul writing to Timothy. Again, such a wonderful portion of scripture that helps us to understand. As for the rich in this present age, can opt out. You live in Canada. This is us. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. So the resources that we have don't make us better than anyone else, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. If you ever invested in some sort of stock market situation, there can be some uncertainty with, the, with just us, just me trusting me and my ability. And I'm not against you investing in the stock market. Go for it. Be wise. But we just don't trust it. We trust God to be our provider. We don't put our hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. We don't trust money. We trust God. Now listen, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Can you believe this is in the scripture? What is God's provision for in your life? We, got, we know what generosity we just read that doesn't make, it, make us better than anyone else, but God is providing something for our lives for what? Enjoyment. God is wanting you to enjoy your life. He's wanting you to enjoy, to be generous, to trust him. We're not trusting money. We're not putting our hopes for the future on our resources. We're trusting God, but then God provides for us. Listen. Verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What, what, is, what is truly life that you're talking about here, Paul? this generous life. That, I'm, that we're acting like God who's generous with us. And then so life, what does is, what is the life that's truly life look like? It, it, it looks like living like God who blesses and gives and is generous with us to teach us to be generous. Let's pray today. Father God, we just love you so much. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for all of the blessings that you have given to us. 
God, and we continue to desire to be like you, to be generous like you. And God, we pray today that you help us to be like Abel as we give, that we would give by faith, trusting in you as our ultimate source, our ultimate provider. God, we give from the heart, not under compulsion or extraction, that we just give willingly, Lord, because this is who you are and this is your character and nature. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Hey, if you are here today, the gospel, the good news is all about the scripture that we mentioned earlier. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, And the reason that God gave Jesus is so we could have a relationship with God. And so if you're here this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus, never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. This prayer will just help you say yes to Jesus today. Or maybe you're here this morning and you used to be close to God, but you feel distant from God this morning. You know, God is not mad at you. God is inviting you close to himself again today. You pray along with me as well. So church, let's bow our head and close our eyes and pray this prayer out loud, praying with somebody who might be praying it for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let's congratulate those that did that today. Hey, if that is you this morning, you either said yes to Jesus for the very first time or you rededicated your life to Christ. Uh, We actually have some resources and some material that we would love to give to you. If you grab the connect card there in the seat pocket in front of you, check off the appropriate box. And if you take it to one of our team members at the info desk, there's somebody out there who'd love to greet you, uh, celebrate with you the decision that you made, but then also give you some resources that will help you on your discipleship journey. This is just a one-time moment, you saying yes to Christ, but Jesus has called us all to be disciples. That means lifelong learners. So this is just a starting point. And uh, so those resources will get you going on your journey of faith. But we are excited for that decision that you made today. Uh, Just a reminder, if you are a follower of Christ and you've never been water baptized, you can sign up for a water baptism coming up on Sunday night, November the 19th. We're going to have a great time celebrating that. So you can do that after service. Let's all stand up together today. If you came to church this morning, hoping to have somebody to pray with you or for you, if you're facing any sickness and disease, any other difficult situation, some of our church leaders are gonna be up here at the front immediately after service is dismissed and they will be happy to pray with you about any of those circumstances. Thank you for coming to church today. Try to stay dry out there. Have a blessed afternoon. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week.